you don't want the best kids. You want to understand the sorrows. The sorrows of the common man. Celise, please. I do want the best kids. I want my kids to be the strongest kids in the little league. Let me be a sports dad to, with my ghost dad. Welcome to episode 88 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG Fan Music Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Salbato, and today we are talking about strategy RPGs. Our, our title sort of gave that away, uh, if you're really thinking visually about strategy RPGs, because most of the time they do pl take place on a square grid, although at least one of our games today uses hexagons, just to be different. Yep. I don't know if we have any circles today, mostly just squares and hexagons. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't bring anything in from Phantom Brave or Makai Kingdom, so I, I think we're going to stick to uh, polygons this time. Okay. Should we call it polygon dance? I like square dance better. I don't know, man. Like, square dance might make people think that this is like music of old school square RPGs. So I, I don't know. I, I was mostly just having nightmare flashbacks to the square dance um, segments we had to do for a month in gym class every year in elementary school. Oh, the horror. I don't suppose you have any any uh, photos of that. No, no, absolutely not. I, I think some kind of local square dance organization like paid all of the elementary schools to have square dancing as a segment every year, and it, and it, it everyone hated it. But uh, at, at least I can at least we can now fold it into a rhythm encounter episode title. Exactly. I mean, it was your it was your idea of a title, so I liked it. Um. Anyway, yes. Um. So also joining me today to talk about strategy music is uh, Michael Solosi. That's me. Yeah. Um, I like square games. I like games with squares in them. Uh, don't have great feelings about square dancing. Uh, bow to your partner, bow to your corner. <laughs> but it's still in your head. Um, also with us is Audra Bowling. Hello. And Nikki Fakuri. Hello. I'm not saying that we had a very spirited uh, half hour pre-discussion about Fire Emblem today, but I think it's safe to say that we're all ready to talk about these games and their music. I am fired up for Fire Emblem. <laughs> okay. Well, for now, put it on the back burner, because Fire Emblem is not till later in the episode. Or Blaze. Ah, Fire Emblem Blazing Sword. That's a, that's a, that's a great one. Yeah, Elwood, Hector, Lynn, big fan. <laughs> we are starting with you, though, Solosi. Uh, just, oh. just to hop in here. Not with Fire Emblem, but if uh, you want to introduce your first track, we can talk about it. Uh, sure. Um... First track of the episode is Desert Land from Final Fantasy Tactics, composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto, uh, with that being the game that got me into strategy RPGs. Yeah, actually, it was my first one, too. Mine, too. Perfect. Well, Mine not. The right place to start. I know, it's not Fire Emblem, Nikki. It's okay. Uh, Audra, you have our second song. What are we going with next? We'll be going with Allies of Fate. From Noriyuki Iwadari from the Landgresser 1 and 2 OST. It's a Landgresser 2 track from the re report. Okay. Remake? I don't know how you'd classify it. I think it's considered a remake, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's go listen to Desert Land from Final Fantasy Tactics and Allies of Fate from Landgresser 2. 
Right. So uh, Desert Land from Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, the name is a little misleading. This isn't like it doesn't really only play in deserts or in a special desert. It's one of the random battle songs uh, that they that they cycle through. And, and, and it's a lot of the time it like like the song will play when you're in a forest in the rain or something. So like, again, Desert Land is a little bit misleading. But I, I just like the how the entire tone of the Final Fantasy Tactics uh, soundtrack is very stately. It, it, it feels like a uh, it, it, it feels like a concert orchestra um, with a lot of uh, even though like the the, the 1997 PS1 synth uh, strings and horns can sometimes sound a little fu- a little funky, but this song is sort of it feels like a concert orchestra with um, with influences from more from almost more from classical music than from old, older video game music, and how. Uh, the the ex, the exchange of voices between the horns and strings and how it, it starts off more serene but with this uh this very rhythmic strings behind it and you know eventually sounds more and more uh, not really serious more, more and more like dangerous more and more dire until it's sort of like it, it eases back into a, a loop again the the loop is only like 90 seconds for this song but it is uh like either this or Apotheosis is my favorite uh, regular um, battle track from Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's a good song. I've loved the Final Fantasy Tactics OST. I was torn between choosing a track for it for this podcast myself, actually. <laughs> but I mean, Desert Land is just—it's a really fun battle theme, I think, and I really love the instrumentation in it and the loop. Yeah, I. It was definitely my first thought too, but Solosi beat me to it. So I had to get more creative with my choices, but it's the sound, the strategy RPG soundtrack I'm most familiar with. Um, and I don't, I don't really have any complaints about any of the soundtrack. Um, I don't really have any complaints about his work on anything, whether it's tactics or Final Fantasy 12 or, you know, any of the Ivalice games, I guess. But I like the, I like the melody here. It's, it has this like determination factor to it, which I think is sort mm-hmm. of what you were talking about, Celosi. And it's like, it somehow like has this sense of determination, but it's still somewhat understated. in I think some of the instrument choices. I, I just realized I said apotheosis. I meant to say apoplexy when I said my, my other favorite FF tactics track. Gotcha. So I, I apologize. I apologize for that. I know that, I know that there's um, listeners out there screaming at me. There's nothing apotheosis on this on Final Fantasy Tactics, but uh, I, I think uh, the whole soundtrack is special to me because FF Tactics was my introduction to strategy RPGs, and I think probably also my introduction to Sakimoto soundtracks and uh, and Matsuno video games. Probably, I'd have to really double check lists for that. Because, but I, I played it for the first time probably right around '99 or 2000, and uh, it, it being this super cool class system and uh and politically driven story with great music uh great uh extremely fun gameplay uh final fantasy sort of imagery layered over that it, it was just it, it, it was a complete mind blow to me and it's a game that i've replayed several times over the years but uh and nikki you mentioned that um this was not your uh, introduction have you have you played ff tactics no I played the I can... one on the Game Boy Advance. Ooh, that game is good, but uh, I, I just I just hope the room the rumors of a of a new port slash remake are true because I 
I, I really think this is a, a special video game and, and more people should play it. Even though, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, wishing that more people would play it is a little ridiculous because it's a, it's it's an extremely popular uh, game, especially among our niche fandom. But uh, yeah, it's 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 brilliant. It's a masterpiece. Yes. <laughs> I'm hoping it, it does pan out. I mean, we're still waiting on whatever happened with that, like, sneaky tactics ogre thing on PSN. I'm that would waiting be awesome for a confirmation too. on that. Yeah, you see trademarks floating around, uh, but at, at least we do know that Square Enix is is very interested in having their older games made available on new systems uh, because they, they're they are you know one, one of several Japanese companies that's very aggressively putting out their old ca uh, catalog, and uh, you know I, I think that could happen for Final Fantasy Tactics, but um, I, I'm not uh, and it's, and if it has remixed music, of course I'll listen to all of it, but the uh, you know the the OG version of Apoplexy and Desert Land and all these uh, and Antidote and all these classics uh, is is so nostalgic for me. Um, and uh, and again, I, I used the word stately before. It, it is it really is video game music that feels like it's ready for uh, for for like a concert hall uh, full performance in in a way that is I like not in a pretentious way, but just in a oh this. This music is of that certain type and instrumentation and absolutely kick ass at the same time. Oh, man, I would love to hear this live. Yes. I don't know why. I don't know why Tactics doesn't like make it into like their Final Fantasy concerts and stuff, because that would be wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I've been to I've been to Distant Worlds once and a uh, and and video game uh, VGO once. And I, I, I definitely remember a lot of Final Fantasy music in general, but no, nothing from Tactics to my memory. So yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder maybe if it's a, if it's either a preference of the showrunners or um, Sakimoto not interested in having uh, their music made available. But it's, uh, that's that's at least interesting. I mean, I would, I, again, I would listen to a full concert if a, if one was semi convenient. Yeah, definitely. Nikki, did you have any thoughts, or do we want to talk about Langrisser? Well, I'm glad that uh, it was pointed out that this wasn't only uh, a desert theme, because when I listened to it, I was thinking, wow, this sounds like a rainforest, and that's pretty cool. But that's like the opposite of a desert, <laughs> which is also kind of neat. So it's like, a, you know, are we really all that different from each other? I don't think so. I think we can all, you know, come together and uh, something something symbolism you know because i think those are classified by precipitation de uh, deserts and rainforests are literal opposites um but yeah that sometimes it is raining quite hard on an area full of vegetation for for this track so not sure why they went with desert land for the title wow i think we've all learned a lot today this has been a good episode thank you all if you really want an education, ask Nikki and I to talk about uh, Fire Emblem genealogy of the Holy War again. <laughs> Maybe we will later. Audra, what's your song? Tell us about it. Well, I only really got exposed to Landgresser with the remake arrangements, and I really just love the battle themes for it. To me, when I'm playing an SRPG because the fights tend to go on longer, you kind of want those songs that'll pump you up and give you an adrenaline burst. And I feel like Allies of Fate in particular, I mean, the instrumentation is just great for that. 
I really just, I loved it, so I had to pick it for this podcast. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I mean, I love the different sections of it, and it's just great. It's probably also not really surprising you haven't played a game in the series before this, because I'm, unless I'm blanking, I don't know that many of them ever came out here. I'm not sure any of them did. I, I know that Langrisser was made by the same company as Growlanzer. Yes, I have played Growlanzer. Yeah, and also I always mix them up in my head a little bit because they sort of sound similar. Yes. <laughs> um, I, but I think Langrisser was sort of their 90s series and Growlanzer was sort of their 2000s series, uh, being, uh, you know, generalizing a little bit. And we got some Growlanzers, but no Langrissers until these remakes, was my understanding. I think there was one game that probably most people don't want to be mentioned for the DS. Oh, maybe, yeah. Like I, I thought maybe there was a sneaky Sega Saturn title that I didn't that I wasn't aware of, but I uh yeah, like I, I, I'm mostly aware of Langrisser as pre Growlanzer and um and this this song is is uh is lovely. It's oh how do how do I just describe this? It, it's it's definitely a battle theme because of all of the forward momentum that you feel in the song. Mm-hmm. Uh but and uh and, and I love that sort of uh <laughs> the um the, the the riff at the beginning that is that that sort of kicks it off but uh yeah that i mean this has a uh 90s anime um energetic ba- uh, battle song kind of thing uh it, it, it reminds me of some of falcom's songs in, yes. in the in the 90s like there's, there's a first especially since um, in the in the link that you sent us audra there's some uh redheads in the main character i'm like is this a secret east game <laughs> i wasn't I, uh, I I wasn't sure about it, but it's a uh, it's it's very energetic and fun. Um, and you know, I've I've never played a Langrisser, and this made me at least two percent more interested in checking out those remakes. Yeah, they're pretty good. Two percent. <laughs> I have to give everything a percentage, at, at least in in my head, because I mean, I, I really don't need to add more things to my <laughs> backlog. But Audra might have inadvertently done so anyway. Aww. <laughs> Neat. Nice. Uh, yeah, okay, so you're right. I totally forgot about Langrisser Reincarnation on the 3DS. Axis brought that out here. Yeah, I think most people want to kind of forget about it from what I've got. Yeah. I've forgotten about that so hard, I'm not sure I ever was aware of it. I, I had to look it up because I'm like, in my head, I thought it was called Reincarnation, but I'm like, wait, no, that's the new Near Mobile game. But no, it's also called Reincarnation. And and the name of the Persona 3 and 4 remix albums. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Probably all capitalized and accented differently i think i think they are yes <laughs> yes well i'm just glad we got some you know iwadari music here because we have not featured any of his music on this show in two weeks but that aside like we talked about a little bit it's this is one of those series that it's been around for a very long time i mean langrisser 2 came out in 1994 but outside of this ds game that we all just remembered existed it it just was not a thing here in the west so I, I think it's interesting that the, there's a mobile game and this remake of one and two has been like probably more of a proper introduction, you know, for mm-hmm. Western gamers to the series. So I don't really know how well they have done. I'm not sure how well known it is now, but certainly more than it was before. So I, the music, too, because that's what we're talking about. Um, but I feel like with this song and I'm guessing the soundtrack in general, like I'm thinking the intent was probably to kind of like retain this like classic sound. So, you know, even though this remake came out in 2019, I feel like the the instrumentation and the sort of electronic sound here, it, it almost still wouldn't be out of place back in 1994, or at least in that era, the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. 
Yeah, he's like not that not that he's not talented and has grown as a composer over time, but it also seems like it was like an intentional kind of throwback to like some of his music back then. Mm-hmm. And and I I enjoy it. Yeah. If you really want to get into it, I could see that this something like this style and the way it's it sounds and the arrangement could have been like an arrangement back then. Like you wouldn't actually hear this literally on the Genesis, but if there was like an arrangement album. So I like that. I like that it sounds kind of modern, kind of retro. So it's a good battle song. Yeah. Retro, you say. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> yes, I do know you have some interest in that. Yeah, I think it was the Wordle word of the day a couple of weeks ago. Yep, I have some interest. <laughs> so this is a battle theme. Yes. Okay. I can I can hear it. I was thinking it was like a cool, like, wow, the, the enemy's about to beat us up, but through the power of friendship, we uh, <laughs> fight through. Like one of those, um, one of those themes that takes over the, the player phase music and the battle theme. That's the kind of energy feel I was getting from it. I think it could work both ways, yeah. It's friends who beat people up. Yes, let's go. Squad goals, as we say. <laughs> I mean, if the, if the Yakuza games have taught me anything, you aren't really friends with someone until you've beaten each other up. <gasps> ah, perfect. That's, uh, what is that called? Um, friendly fire on. Yeah. Yes. Imagine friendly fire in an SRPG. Let's go. Oh, that sounds disastrous. <laughs> I, I, I've accidentally killed my party so many times in games with friendly fire, like, like, uh, like, like Dragon Age Oranges. Where I in, oh. in, in the strategy RPG that sounds disastrous. I mean, there is a little bit of that in Final Fantasy Tactics, but that's kind of why I gravitate towards summons and samurai moves that don't have friendly fire. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, Mike, who among us hasn't accidentally uh, fire threed yourself with a calculator? I mean, I definitely have. <laughs> I have. Yeah. I was gonna say, technically. Fire Emblem genealogy does a really great thing with like a kind of interpretation of friendly fire in a particular chapter, but we don't necessarily need to get into that. Just play <laughs> genealogy, everybody. That's the statement I'll make. It all comes back to genealogy. Genealogy is at the center of all strategy video games. I think it is uh, the root or the trunk from which they all stem forth. I know it because it came to me in a dream. Well, I mean, Langrisser 2 did come before Genealogy of the Holy War, so... So they had a time machine? Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> Hold on. Wow. Now or, this so is interesting. Let's now go. Now we're playing Chrono Trigger. Int this is fascinating. <laughs> oh my god. They're the same game. Strategy RPG with time travel. You can send spells into the past. Uh, you play the game starting at Chapter 8 and go all the way back to Chapter 1. Who says no? I would play that. Yeah. There actually is a time loop in the Wild Arms Crossfire, which is oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Oh my god, and that's one of the next songs. That means that it was all planned from the beginning. Yes. Or from the end, depending on which way we're going here. Mike, Audra gave you the best the best transition I've ever heard on a podcast. And, and, and why aren't you just running with it right now? What's going on? Well, because it's not specifically our next song unless we just change things on the fly right now which we could <sighs> it's gone the moment's gone <laughs> video game video game all right we are going to change things speaking of wild arms crossfire is it still called crossfire here is that how you're supposed to pronounce xf i 
always said XF, but I've heard people say Crossfire. Yeah. I mean, I know in Japan it's Crossfire. I, I also knew of it only as XF, but now that I know it's supposed to be Crossfire, I admit that's much cooler. It is. Yes, it does kind of sound cooler. Yeah. Okay. Well, Audrey, you're going back to back here. Introduce your next song here. Um, my next song is Hanki no Uso, version True Heart, from the Wild Arms Crossfire OST, or Wild Arms XF. No, no, no. I like Crossfire. We're going to call it Crossfire now. No, I don't care. Don't get caught up in the Crossfire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's Thank probably why we, we should know what it stands for now. I was thinking it meant extra fast. <laughs> that would be good, too. Ooh, maybe maybe extra flavor? Extreme flavor. Oh, okay. It, it's the extreme flavorized goldfish of the Wild Arms series. Oh, no. Ah, yes. Now we're going to all be thinking about lunch again. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to go down the goldfish aisle of groceries uh, at the grocery store the next time I go. My, my grocery store is a dedicated goldfish aisle. It's a little weird. That's fantastic. It's pretty cool. So you, are, are you going to get any of the Old Bay ones? Um, I don't, I, I've seen them before, but I don't know if they're sold regularly. Uh, I usually go for um, some version of pretzel goldfish or, uh, or the, the cheddar ones. Those are, those, those are my two. The, the purple pretzel bag and the orange cheddar bag. That's a good choice. So while you're munching in your goldfish, um, I'm also going to have a song after Audra's here. And uh, we have True Courage from Rhapsody, A Musical Adventure, which I decided is enough of a strategy RPG. Tenpei Sato, let's go. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I know that was someone you wanted on this episode. Yes. I've, I have been trying to get uh, a Tenpei Sato RPG of a different stripe on Retro Encounter for something like four years. So I'm, I'm glad we'll at least be able to talk about his music a bit in this episode. Absolutely. All right. Let's go listen to Honky no Uso and True Courage. And we'll be right back. Sukai 
the meaning of true courage. So please remember. Well, basically, I picked this song because I love Wild Arms music, and I especially love Wild Arms vocal tracks. And I feel like this one was probably, after Wild Arms 5, the closest we got to a really good vocal track that fit, was very iconic for the series. And it happened to be from a strategy RPG, so I picked it. But I love the instrumentation. It's very spot on for Wild Arms. Um, Michiko Noruki did the lyrics, wrote the lyrics for the song, and it's really fitting. I think Noriyu Suragamatsu did a great job making it sound like a distinct Wild West, Wild Arms soundtrack. And it's just really good vocals and instrumentation. So you've, you've played the game? Yes. Is this like an ending theme, or where does it, how does it fit in? It was originally an opening theme, and then they play it closer to the end, the version True Heart. Okay, yeah, my guess would have been end credits theme as well. Uh, yeah. I've, I've played uh, Wild Arms 1 and 3, but uh, didn't finish either of them. Um, so I, I have a, a concept of Wild Arms m music being, like, like a lot of it's really good. I mean, the, the setting is uh, is sort of American Old West with, with anime influences, mm -hmm. but, but the music is like sort of what you would think of as classic RPG music, but with things like... Uh, Whistles, like, and... like like whistling and Spanish guitar that you would associate with like a spaghetti western of the sixties or seventies. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's 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 a really interesting eclectic mix, and and this is just a, a lovely vocal track that you know I would I would put in the same category as like a great vocal ender for like a Trails game or a Persona game, which which coming from me is high praise. I promise. That's I believe this version, if I remember correctly, was played at least closer to the end, if not the ending credits. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't compare it to like the, the other version of it. So I would just based on this one, it sounded like that kind of like victorious ending theme, like between mm -hmm. the vocals and the guitar. Um, and also the fact that it's on disc four of a four disc soundtrack. That was that yes. was also <laughs> my clue. So I, I just I felt really insightful, you know. So I didn't I don't know if you did, if you looked them up or no, like I didn't really have luck, any luck finding like a good translation of these lyrics but because i was curious what was going on so i did i did run like a you know a basic machine translation which only helped me so much i believe I, I, I it's more about the main character's decision to fake being a princess to help inspire okay. people like it's about her 
kind of coming to terms with that and like her connections to the princess. Okay, cool. I didn't get that at all. Yeah. I just understood there was something uh, about uh, bonds exposed to the wind of swords, glowing miracle flowers, and someone who is, in fact, not here to grab it hard. Um, yeah, so, that, 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 uh, sounds like a, that sounds like a machine translation of Japanese text, if I've ever heard it. Right? Oh, and, and, and to be fair, a lot of, of the, um, <laughs> the glowing flowers and stuff kind of fits for wild arms. There's usually some kind of glowing flower. Okay, so like, there is a flower, it. but like it, I did, didn't get any context out of it. Basically, all I learned from that translation was like, yeah, there's a, a lot of emphasis on bonds. This did this game ever escape the PSP? Because I, I I know of it as the PSP spinoff of Wild Arms. No, it didn't, which is a shame because I actually I feel like it's probably my favorite of the last three Wild Arms, actually, which is funny because it is the strategy RPG spinoff. But I feel like it was the strongest in terms of plot, and they had some of the best job classes in it. Yeah, I, I haven't played this, but I mean, for quite a while, I was really interested in, you know, collecting all the PSP RPGs I could. So I have done a, a, a small amount of research into it. Um, and, but it's, it's kind of a shame, because a lot, a lot of the older Wild Arms games are great, and mm -hmm. I know that at least some of them, at, at least 1, 2, and 3, are... Um, easy to get on PSN nowadays. So yes. the, the later catalog, I don't know, maybe maybe it'll come out again later. But this is intriguing, and it has at least one good good musical track in it. So yeah, yeah I, 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 I hope this sort of gets a Nipponichi Classics Volume Four treatment eventually. But I, I wouldn't. The soundtrack you know. is pretty good too, especially if you're at all familiar with Wild Arms music. I think it really captured that feel. Oh, but so nicely. is it more about the tone, or or like do real motifs and themes come back? It's more about the tone. Okay, because I mean, I, I, I love the tone of Wild Arms music. I mean, I, everyone in the world knows that uh, uh, Into the Wilderness opening track from Wild Arms One is an all-time classic. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, preserving that tone across the series is is a, an excellent idea. Yep. Like Jap like it, it, two things I love are Ennio Morricone mu uh, movie soundtracks and Japanese RPG music. So like the the union of those two is fascinating. Yeah, it's definitely a good union of those. I think. <laughs> All right. So, do we consider Rhapsody a strategy RPG? Oh. Um. <laughs> I know of it. <laughs> it, it, it. It does involve manipulating squares on a battlefield. So we, with this, we probably also have to call uh, Radiant Historia a strategy RPG and South Park uh, the Fractured But Whole a strategy <laughs> RPG. But I, but, but I think we can on a technicality. Mm -hmm. um, okay, good. Both of my choices today are technicalities. Yeah, I, I have played Rhapsody. It was only a rental, though, so I never got far in it. And um, it's, it's the first game in a trilogy called Marl Kingdom. Uh, Marl Kingdom got spun off into a uh, into a more strategy heavy strategy RPG called Lapuscell Tactics, and then off of the framework of Lapuscell Tactics, Nipponichi decided to start a little weirdo Netherworld RPG called Disgaea. So that's exactly why I have done a deep dive on Rhapsody before. But um, <laughs> more than being a strategy RPG, Rhapsody is sort of well known as being a musical RPG because it has a it has musical numbers. And uh, and and a story that re that resembles you know a fairy tale or a Disney movie at, at times, so it, it's sort of it, its reputation is of being that RPG musical, and uh, and and it came out I think a couple years 
after its Japanese release uh, in in North America worldwide. So it, it has been around for over 20 years. Um, and yeah, this is one of the musical numbers from Rhapsody. So uh, apologies for that. Uh, apologies for that brief uh, monsoon. But you know, you know me by now if you've listened to some RPG fan podcasts. Could say it's a musical tactical game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like the history lesson. I, um, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I realized exactly how it connected to their other games in terms of like what inspired what. So, uh, the second game in the trilogy, Little Princess, is also a musical, but I think they abandoned the strategy elements. The the videos I've seen of it look more like a traditional JRPG. Um, oh. But rap, but Rhapsody is going to. I mean, it it was a PS one game from twenty two to twenty three years ago. But it is going to be released as part of the Nipponichi Classics Collection Volume Three in a couple of months. So, if 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 any of that is interesting to you, panelists or listeners, uh, Rhapsody will be very easy to have on your PC or Switch in a couple of months. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm glad about that because it's it's a game I knew about back when it came out in 2000. At least here it came out in 2000. So I knew about it, but never just never got around to playing it. But I always knew it looked adorable. It's a very saccharine RPG. Um, the reason I fell off it a little bit was because, like, I, I was intrigued by the, uh, by it being a musical because I love musicals and I love, uh, you know, um, cartoon musicals of my youth a lot. Uh, basically, saying I've seen a bunch of Disney movies, but the uh, the game itself was a little saccharine and the and the story wasn't that interesting to me, so I fell off of it. But I, I don't know. This is the kind of thing that I might try to replay when that remake comes out because it it. it it is pretty unique and interesting for for what it is and uh I, I, again like it, it's it's the musical rpg and this is it, i'm just sort of amazed that it exists yeah right or maybe i'm amazed that there aren't more games like it because it, it, as a concept i think it works I mean, I, I think it could be a good palate cleanser between like hunting monsters and stuff too so there's also that <laughs> Yeah, it's this is the opposite of a monster hunting or a devil summoning game, and I I play a lot of those. So this <laughs> again, yeah, yeah, this is, I mean, this is like me playing a Kirby game in between Dark Souls games. Just a just just you know, uh, my I don't know what what metaphor do I want? It'll be pretty good for just uh you know giving my soul a nice a nice uh a nice bath before descending into darkness again. <laughs> okay, I like it. I'm I'm actually surprised, like, not that game music of the time was questionable or anything, but, you know, voice acting in, like, the 90s and early 2000s, I think in the early 2000s it started, like, improving. I mean, I know it's not all because of Metal Gear Solid, but I know that was, I mean, at least for me, that was a big shift, because I think that one, that really changed, like, what we expected and out of games, and like, oh, wait, no, 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 like, there is... They they just raised the bar in terms of quality. So I wasn't expecting going back listening to this because I didn't really listen to the soundtrack back then. Like I, I was really doing research for this episode. And um, I think it's all pretty solid here. I mean, I know we're talking about singing and not voice acting, but it, it holds up better than I would expect. And I really like that it's a musical game. And, you know, I know you said you watched a lot of Disney movies, but like I was thinking about uh, more like Disney and also, um, you know, it was Disney for me and Don Bluth. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, any of the, I mean, they, they weren't all like didn't all have musical scenes. Yeah, um, Se- Secret of Secret of Nim doesn't have um, 
uh, any music scenes, but Anastasia is sometimes mistaken for a Disney movie because of its musical scenes. Yeah. Uh, but and 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 they're yeah they're brilliant. Yeah. And um. Oh, why am I blinking? Uh, an American Tale. American Tale. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the American Tale is and Land Before Time has less music, and American Tale has more, more music. So yeah, Don Bluth didn't. I think he was a Disney animator, and then he moved on to make his own studio and did his own thing, which was a lot of the time more interesting than what Disney was doing until it sort of became a American Tale Land Before Time sequel factory. Uh, <laughs> we don't and, talk about the sequels to Land Before Time. <laughs> oh they my don't God. Exist. Well, the funny thing is the Land Before Time sequels did turn into musicals, even though the first one wasn't. Oh, mm-hmm. they did? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, like, I, my brother my I, brother was big, <laughs> big into that. And they were like, once they got to like 14 or 15 of like the direct video ones, it's like. 15? There's a lot of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. My guess would have been eight so or nine. Many. No, oh, there was wow. so okay. many. Uh, and they don't exist. Oh, yeah. I remember okay. the, there would have been I remember so many. The first, I remember Land Before Time 2 where they have a baby T-Rex. Uh, I remember that one and, and liking that one. But after that, I have no concept of what dinosaurs were added to the sequels, especially since those dinosaurs in real life were uh, millions and millions of years apart. Um, <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, like I, I think there was, I, I think that it's not really a joke, but there was, there was like a hundred million years in between Triceratops and Stegosaurus, and only sixty-five million years in between Triceratops and humans. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, Ice Age and Land Before Time don't really respect the uh, uh, geologic time very much. But okay, um, we'll talk about uh, RPG music. Um, right, uh, dinosaurs, Tenpei Sato, uh, Don Bluth, back to Rhapsody. Uh, I, I think that. The, the two singers on this track, which you helpfully told uh, have in the notes, Mike, are Sarah Thomas and Jody Fleischer. Like, like they're good. They have they they have nice singing voices, but you can sort of tell that they they they, they maybe haven't done a ton of voice lessons. You know what I mean? Like, it's it it, it voice acting was not as professional as uh in 2000 as it is in 2022 if this game was remade nowadays or or just made in the 2020s i i think the spirit of the songs would still be there but the but they would probably bring in like you you know like broadway people or something for the musical numbers so i uh i i my ears are cracking a little bit listening to this (laughs) the songs like like the songs are nice but you can tell that these are voiceover artists and not professional singers I, I, I hope fair. I wasn't too rude. I hope I'm not too rude no. in saying that. I think there's a certain charm to it. Yeah, like I, I do like the charm. They, they seem really earnest about it, and like it's, I like the, the spirit of the song and how like they're there, like you know, mm-hmm. playing off and inspiring each other. So that's also credit to the lyrics. But yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they're, they're leaving the music for the, the new version. But the, the remakes in the Nipponichi Classics collections have been, uh, basically untouched. I, I don't think they, uh. I, uh, I I don't think they would remake any of it because they the, they have been no frills remakes so far, and yeah. uh, this was localized by a very early version of of um of of Atlas in in two thousand and not working designs, so they they won't jealously hold on to their <laughs> to, to, to their scripts and audio tracks the way that Victor Ireland does. Oh so uh, it, I, my guess is there would not be any voice acting changes, but it's. I, I don't know how all these contracts work all the time, so maybe they're maybe they would do that. But that seems like more effort than Nipponichi Software America has put into these remakes. So probably not is my guess is if they're going to replace any audio. Right. Well, I mean, it's their their property anyway, right? Didn't they develop it? 
Uh, yes, no, Nipponichi Japan did, uh, yeah. and um, and and Atlas and Mastiff pr- published all of the old Nipponichi games in the early 2000s, including Disgaea One. But uh, starting in the mid 2000s, Nipponichi brought uh, created their own North American localization branch, uh, which is called Nipponichi Software America or NISA, and NISA has done all of the localization for Nipponichi stuff and a bunch more localization as well uh, in the ensuing um, 15 years or so. Yeah, so I'm guessing they wouldn't have any any rights issues because, like, when you since you're talking about working designs, like we talked about that a little bit in our last episode with Lunar, because the remake of the PSP remake of Lunar, like everything was different, like the voice actors, everyone, everything had to change. Um, but you know, it, we're talking about a different publisher, and the first publisher didn't exist anymore, so it's just a messy, weird situation. Yeah, it, it is messy. And like and just like situations like working designs and, and Harmony Gold for certain uh, anime series. Uh, like I, I know that the that localization and publishing outside of the native country can get weird. So uh, again, um, this is a Nipponichi game. They own the rights to the game, so they can definitely re-release it. But I'm not sure if Atlas owns that old localization or if Nipponichi does. So oh, yeah. maybe they could maybe they could pay Atlas to to use the original version of it, or maybe they have to record their own uh, their own um, new translation and and voice work. I I don't know. So uh, we will see when that remake comes out in I think what is it like September? It, it's pretty soon. It's pretty soon, yeah. I don't I don't know offhand, but it's it's I think it's I August. I feel September. like it's fall something. Yeah, Nipponichi Classics Collection Volume Three comes out very comes out pretty soon, but I don't know the exact date. I'd have to look it up. If anyone wants to examine the screenshots from the classics collection and compare and see if the dialogue is exactly the same, we could get, find out. But we probably don't need to do that on the show today. <laughs> I bet we have people on staff that have played that. I think I think Wes has. Um, yeah, maybe we maybe I could pose that question to some staff later because I I would be curious about how much of the old localization is preserved because the localization business is so much bigger now. Like like it, it used to be people outside the screen actors guild uh using fake names just throwing something together in the in in the 90s to now it being a its own industry that with a with a lot of talent in it so yeah uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm interested to see how that turns out and i am uh I, I sort of have disdained or avoided rhapsody since trying to play it 20 years ago but now i'm, I'm ready to give it a second chance with the collection probably so Maybe I'll become very, very familiar with this catalog uh, or w- with this soundtrack when I wasn't before. It looks adorable. Okay, I didn't. I didn't mean for our uh, us to have back-to-back uh, songs from the same composer, but oh, don't be sorry. Do you, <laughs> yeah, do you want to talk about your next song, Solosi? Uh, yeah, my next song is "Running Fire," also composed by Tenpei Sato, the in-house composer or a in-house composer for Nipponichi for many, many years. On the, from the first Disgaea game, Disgaea Hour of Darkness. Awesome. And Nikki, we finally get to one of your songs after that. Oh boy. We've got uh, Battle One from Rondo of Swords. And there's very little documentation on the uh, OST of Rondo of Swords. So it's composed either by Atsushi Hukase or Tatsuya Fujiwara. We don't know. It's a mystery, but it's a cool song. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'll get into it more, but uh, I, I did try to look this up and I found almost nothing about it. So w- what a what an interesting choice here. Technically, the title, the track doesn't even have a title. 
<laughs> it's just what some Japanese fans have referred to it as. So, haha, it's music. I think on YouTube it was like song 27 or something weird too. So it's like, yeah, it's like the 27th you know, thing. And I don't even know if that aligns with it in the game data. That might not be entirely accurate. Cool. Yeah, because the video I got Battle 1 from was a Japanese uh, upload of the entire soundtrack. And it was much earlier than 27 in that video. So that's cool. Isn't it exciting? It's a big mystery. We have to strategize around it. Almost like a strategy RPG. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's go listen to Running Fire and the song that we are calling Battle One.
the disguise songs there there aren't a lot of great ones but it, it's more about just the 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 wacky vibe of the games and and this is one of the better disgaea songs and i uh, I, I just it, it, it captures the quirkiness of disgaea in a good way i think yeah i really like the instrumentation yeah i almost did one of the anime ops for disgaea instead because i think they're sort of better than this but this this is more the strategy rpg flavor because it is one of the recurring um random battle songs or not not really aren't really random battles in the sky but one of the one of the recurring uh, battle songs you know what i meant yeah i know right so uh the second half of our ten pesado double feature is pretty different from the song from rhapsody uh, uh ten pesado has been the composer of i think every disguise game i would have to look up all of them uh to to confirm that but i'm not going to uh, and again, I, I don't think Disgaea is a series with amazing music, but it, because th it doesn't have, you know, unforgettable, brilliant songs the way that, you know, even Final Fantasy does. But it, it's, it's more about just, just, just having an irreverent, silly vibe. And so the, uh, the Disgaea music lots uses a lot of weird instrumentations, like, um, like, like, like they'll even have have like boing noises in between uh, the unusual uh, synth instruments. But uh, so Running Fire has strings and castanets at the beginning, and then it uh, and then sort of a a, a a buzzy synth guitar, and then uh, and then a, and then quieter moments that that feel like a uh, that feel like a wind orchestra. It, it's a slightly schizophrenic piece. But this guy is a slightly schizophrenic series, um, so it, it there's a silliness and an energy and a uh, and and a and a chaos to Running Fire that I think um, that, that I think fits Disgaea. And I've been trying to get Disgaea either on this podcast or Retro Encounter for a while now. And um, yeah, do it, bring it. Yeah, it's about time. I mean, yeah, it's our first Disgaea song. I think there's like a quirky energy to it that's really kind of fun and yeah it kind of fits for that chaotic feeling shit sky is nothing if not quirky but <laughs> definitely fits <laughs> i just it it has this like fun like bouncy energy to it mm -hmm. and uh it it's incredibly i wrote in my notes i i i decided it was so synthy that i had to write incredibly twice incredibly incredibly synthy um i feel like it could be polarizing me in part for that um, but I just, I like the just kind of funky sound it has to it. At, at least for me, um, the Disgaea soundtracks run together a little bit, or uh, and maybe including other games Sado works on, like Makai Kingdom or ZHP and Losing Ranger, which makes me pretty certain that he uses the same or similar sound library for most, if not all, of his soundtracks. And when I was looking, looking up Disgaea songs, I had to double-check which Disgaea game the, the various ones came from and, and also because they get a lot of them get remixed or reused between games but uh, but again this is i think one of the best battle themes from disgaea one and disgaea is so peculiar like it has an incredibly sad song that plays during a tragic chapter in the middle of the game i, I it, it's i think it's called red moon but it's, it's basically a, it's a, a, a bunch of undead singing about passing on <laughs> in, in oh. between silly stories about a uh, uh about a, a boy and his pet zombie or looking for ingredients for a stew in, in, from the lava pits of hell like 
Disgaea has this energetic quirkiness, and until they completely change direction with uh, mo with unusually poignant moments, and uh, but but I think that's you know that's captured in Running Fire also because it's a uh, it it changes tone and instrumentation partway through I think twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some very interesting instrumentation changes in it. I know it, it does that, and it's a it's a I forget how long it is offhand, but it's like it's kind of a short little loop to have that change. Yeah, I think it's only two or two and a half minutes. Um, maybe the link that we have is is uh, is two full loops, but it's a uh, um, Sato doesn't have long, epic, um, thought-provoking songs like a uh, you know like like um, Sakamoto. No, he wasn't the one I was trying to think of, but it's not it's not important. Um, yeah, I, I think that Sato does work with short loops a lot of the time, probably because uh, he's cranking out more than one soundtrack a year sometimes and uh, his, his his output is almost at a sakuraba level but but again i, I think he i think it, it fit this quirkiness and weirdness fits what disgaea is and that's what's more important to me than than, than you know uh cranking out a six minute magnum opus every three years mm -hmm. oh yeah i mean i can't imagine disgaea with like that kind of music it just wouldn't fit at all so this is the right right vibe for that game or that series yeah, it has the right energy. Exactly. But uh, I'm very familiar with this guy. I've played something like five, like six of them, um, counting spinoffs. But one series I, or one game I don't know at all and haven't played at all, is Rondo of Swords for the DS. So, uh, uh, Nikki, please tell me about this game and soundtrack that I know nothing about. Wow, I'm glad you asked. Rondo of Swords is a video game. So, you know, there's these things, they're called like SRPGs and you have a character and you select the character and you move them and then you put them next to a character, like an enemy character and you make them like, you say like, okay, attack this guy and then they'll start a battle and fight, right? Like we know these kinds of games, right? Street Fighter 2, I'm familiar. <laughs> Hell yeah. So what's interesting about Rondo of Swords is that they say, well, you know what though? What if you just went through them? So it's a strategy RPG, but in order to attack the uh, enemy units, you have to run your cursor through them and out the other side and basically try to hit as many enemies in one movement as you can. <sighs> so if you're like me and whenever you would play a game like Fire Emblem and you would take the cursor and you would try to like make it do all these funny squiggly shapes. Um, you, there's actually a purpose to that in Rondo of Swords. Um, you, you literally run through to hit and what I've always, uh, I know this game got um, pretty mixed slash middling reviews, um, which I think is fair. But I've, I've always found the concept so inherently interesting because it's just fascinating to have your characters go through and emerge on the other side of the unit, just run right past them. And this uh, theme that we are calling Battle One is uh, the first battle theme when you are, uh, when your units are attacking. And even though uh, I haven't played this game recently at all, um, it's on the DS, so it's uh, getting on in age. But um, 
this this theme always stuck with me because that really steady beat in the beginning is like so perfect while you're watching your little units like slide through the like they're just going and then they pass through an enemy they smack them they keep going and what i like about it too is that as it gets to the end of the uh of the song and gets ready to loop it has this really cool buildup that you're probably never going to hear because the battle isn't gonna last that long but if you can make the battle last that long because of you know how you run through the enemies it's almost like a reward to get to hear that really cool like end of the song and loop back into the front and i really it's always stuck with me it could also just be because I'm traumatized and there's like a way to make the first chapter of the game last like two hours if you want to try to beat like the mid-game boss with your level one characters. So it also probably just burned itself into my brain. Uh, but I've always liked this track and it's got a lot of tracks that have this almost kind of like Pokemon feel to them with the... Uh, with the little sound effects and, like, chordal progressions that it uses. And I was tempted to pick one of those for, like, events and stuff, because I was like, wow, doesn't this sound like this could fit in a Pokemon game? It's pretty cool. But, like, this battle theme is just fascinating to me. The whole thing is so fascinating to me. Now, since I know it's a DS game and the way you describe the battles, and does it use the stylus? Like, are you just scribbling lines on the screen, like, to just... You can scribble lines or you can use uh, your D-pad. Okay. Whichever one. But you can you can use your stylus for it. It's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I it, love it. it just seems like one of those games where, you know, when the DS first came out, people were just doing these weird experimental things. Like, oh, well, we have a stylus now. Let's see what we can do. And I think sometimes it worked out. Like when people really thought about it, like let's use it in a way that like really benefits. Like the Zelda games that have maps you can like draw little notes on. So yeah, that, that sounds fun. I, I, I want to say one thing quickly. There is a point to making squiggle patterns in Fire Emblem games with your with your D-pad because it, it does use one tick of the random number generator every time you uh, every time the, the squiggle resets. So you can try to manipulate the RNG by just making squiggles in, <laughs> with, with, with character mo uh, 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 movement um, squares. Uh, to try and manipulate better levels up or, or better battle outcomes. But not like Rondo of Swords. This is fascinating that you sort of take out, instead of having 1v1 or multi-area attacks, it sort of combines those into chain attacks, which is like a, a much more DS-focused version of Jeanne d'Arc for the PSP, maybe. Which is a, a game I, I looked at the soundtrack for, maybe, for this episode, maybe, but didn't find anything I really loved. That th this is super interesting to me. Um, I, I I can hear the similarity to some Pokemon soundtracks, Nikki. I I, I really like how they um they, they use their percussion more for for brighter tones. So they have this big thumping bass that's that, that that's more like a bass guitar than a than than like a than like a, a drum. That is uh, I find very uh, I I find irresistible. But um yeah, this this song has has good energy to it, good forward momentum. You could tell it's a battle song. But it's a little bit more reserved than like the irrepressible energy of that Disgaea song or that Langrisser song that we had before. It, it, it's, this is cool. I like this a lot. Um, do we know anything else that uh, um, Fujiwara or Fukase have made? Because I'm not familiar with either of them. 
Oh boy. It's been um, a while. I think I tried looking them up and I couldn't find anything. Like if I found them, they didn't have Rondo of Swords listed under them <laughs> because Rondo of Swords is not like in any database for some reason. And I yeah, looked I up the Japanese name, which is called Rondo of Deception, and that doesn't have anything either. It's so weird. Hmm. It's such a strange because it's, it's, like, it's by Atlas too. It's not even like an obscure developer. Yeah. I, I looked up both of the composers on VGMDB, and um, you know, VGMDB is very extensive, and one of them doesn't exist on there. Oh. That's probably what you were looking at too, Nikki, because the other one has, I think, four soundtrack credits to their name. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. This is not one of them. So I'm like, wow. All right. <laughs> so weird. Maybe I made this up. Maybe that was the Rondo of Deception all along is that this game doesn't exist and I made it up. <laughs> so they're, they're, it's a Rondo of Deception and this game's existence is a shared illusion. It, it exists only in a few wiki articles and YouTube clips. Right. I think that's about the extent of it, yes. All right. It's kind of funny because, like, I forgot the game existed because I think my only exposure was probably making a small screenshot gallery for RPG Fan probably back in 2006. Because, like, I'm, I'm looking it up now and I'm like, you know, the, the cover looks nice. And uh, the game looks better than I would expect for a game, something that I really forgot ever existed. Like, it doesn't, it sort of looks like a Fire Emblem of its time. Like, it looks all right. But yeah, hard to find any information on the soundtrack, the composers. What a what a strange little choice. I appreciate you bringing it, though, because it is a fun song. It's a great Ooh. song. Yeah. Yeah, it's got cute sprites. Um, the story, uh, from what I remember, was competent. It has a it has a route split. There is deception that happens. It's really interesting, but it's like it's just not anywhere for some reason unfortunately the deception was not interesting enough to keep it in this name when it came west yeah now maybe that was the that was the real strategy rpg was that you know 20 years later we would all be deceived as to the truth of this game's existence that's wow i mean that i respect it that's that's uh, called uh, the waiting game. That's a stall tactic, as we say in the SRPG business. I respect it. I really do. Yeah. The, the, the fact that this game never actually existed, but we all thought it did. Right. Yeah. And there's just little, little snippets of it online that's been planted over the last, you know, decade and a half. Yeah, you know, it's like those creepy pastas that people will make up and then some people will be really invested in them and then make their own like videos of them to make it seem like it was real so they can get in on the creepy pasta. I think that's what it is. I think all of those gameplay videos are fan made, which is really impressive. That's not easy to do. Right. This almost feels like a Mandela effect thing or or like a a shared delusion kind of like the love take me down to the streets song from the movie role models which is which would take too long for me to explain but it, like nikki you have given us something that is interesting but also obscure enough that we're not a hundred percent sure it exists anymore so th thank you for um putting us in this interesting paradox absolutely any sort of existential dread is you know that's what srpgs are all about that's the true nature of them. 
I, I think maybe a Yoko Taro strategy RPG would make me lose my mind. Oh my god, <laughs> I can't even imagine. It would create a singularity of of sorrow and despair that would lead us to be living in a Danganronpa game. Ah, uh, yes, the Danganronpa strategy RPG. I remember that. I would play a Danganronpa strategy RPG. I, I, uh, sight unseen, give it to me. Isn't isn't the summer camp game like a board game or some weird? Does that count? Are there squares you can move on? Yeah, it's a board game. Yeah. But I don't think it's uh if it's anything like the one in V three, then I don't think it would count as a strategy RPG because you don't you just roll the dice and then they move like in a oh. straight line. Okay, good. I was worried that we were going down a logical path that would have Mike talk me into thinking Mario Party is a strategy RPG. But I'm glad we're not there. I'm glad that's not that's not where we ended up. No, I'm I'm the one that's trying to convince people that that things are not RPGs, so we're not covering every game that gets made. If we end up covering Mario Party, I might retire from RPG fan. <laughs> okay, I don't think that we're at risk of that either of those happening. Okay, well, now they're going to make an actual Mario Party strategy RPG with, like, full hexagonal board and everything. Yeah, okay. Like, they're going to do it now. Now they're going to actually make it into an SRPG. There will be, like, a dragon final boss. Everyone will have, like, okay, their own class. Okay, all right. When you, when you bring in it's class systems happen. and dragons, that actually sounds like a game I'm interested in. But yeah. it being a Mario Party game, I mean, if, if there's ways that you can lose by not getting stars, dice... Uh, nope, nope. Let's end this Mario Party discussion, please. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not going to get into any spoilers. Uh, but there is, there is a trial in uh, Endwalker and Final Fantasy XIV, and there's one uh, sequence of attacks this boss does that is basically just that Mario Party game of the book pages where you have to stand in the oh. hole so you don't get smashed. Um, and every time we every time we do it, every time we do it, we're like, well, we're playing Mario Party now because it's the same concept. Well, I mean, there's a there's a raid in the Stormblood days from where you had to like uh, where, where you had to mem um, like know your times tables and do and do <laughs> yep. and do mm -hmm. live math. But so I'm, I'm, I, I will never put anything past uh, the Final Fantasy 14 team. But I, I, I was just doing some background research. Uh, did you know how many Mario Party games there are? Um, hmm. There's 20? nine main ones. And I want I know there's the new one on Switch and at least a few handheld. Uh 15. Two new ones on Switch, but it's right in between. It's 18, which I wow. I, I thought I thought was seemed like an irresponsibly high number to me when I learned that. That's but, yeah, uh, okay. Cuz it is but, it I was right, right? Like the numbered ones go they go up to 9 or uh, they go up to like nine or ten. There's two okay. Switch ones, a bunch of handheld spinoffs, and at least two mobile spinoffs. Yeah, okay, way more. Or, or I, I think I think one I think one mobile spinoff, and then one that was like a DSiWare or something. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we don't cover Mario Party on RPG Fan. It would it it would hurt me in my brain. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't have a segue between that and Kadelka, so uh, my next song is from Kadelka. The the sort of prequel whatever lead-in game to the shadow hearts series now which i have played several hours of but i'm not finished yet but i actually am playing it sort of so kadelka is also less of a strategy rpg than rhapsody but the battle system is strategic enough so i decided it counts 
So I have Kiss Twice from Kadelka as my next and final song. And after that, Nikki has one other song for us. Yes, it's Leaf's Army Seeking Victory Bass from Fire Emblem Thracia 776. But it's the arrangement from the Shipu Jinrai Sounds of Fire Emblem for Cypher Festival. Rest in peace, Fire Emblem Cypher. That was quite a mouthful. All right. The rest in peace part wasn't part of the actual uh, album name. I just put that in there because rest in peace, Fire Emblem Cypher. No, no, that's fine. But I mean, still, that, that, that's a long track name and long album name. So good job getting through all that. Um, all right. So let's go listen to Kiss Twice and Leaf's Army Seeking Victory Base from Fire Emblem Thracia 776.
Okay, so yes, again, I am stretching my definition of strategy RPG here. The, the story and exploration sequences in Kadelka are somewhere between a, a traditional 3D RPG of the PS1 era and action adventure and maybe survival horror, like based on the setting anyway. It has that similar feel. Um, but, you know, those grid-based battles are close enough, right? Right. You're on squares. So they they do add a layer of a strategy with their movement and their attack range like you'd get in a traditional SRPG. So there. Um, it, this game, it, I did not play Kadoka whenever it came out, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I did not play it at all until sometime in 2020 because my partner has it and was like, we should play this so you can play Shadow Hearts. <laughs> Hillary is the number one Kudelka fan that I know. She she was uh, talking <laughs> about Kudelka like like uh, uh, way before uh, way way before her first episode of Retro Encounter. <laughs> oh yeah, she she is. I mean, I, she'd like Shadow Hearts more, but they all they all go together. So I I love I love Shadow Hearts, especially the second one. But I and I know of Kudelka as being a, a very rare uh, PS one RPG with those. Sh um, tactics and survival horror elements that you mentioned that has some characters that appear in shadow hearts and uh, i I'm, I'm i'm aware of those characters for sure but i have never played kudelka mostly be for access reasons um right i mean yeah. we, we've, we've talked about having uh video game collections already several times on this episode a, a kudelka plus shadow hearts collection is the stuff of dreams for me i know i really i know there's like talk and rumor of like more like a reissue of shadow hearts since there's been like there's quiet little updates to like the shadow because like you could still visit the shadow hearts japanese website and it has a new like company in the copyright so like someone's doing something with it but we don't know for sure what yet Sacknoth made like five games in the late 90s early 2000s and then v disappeared off of the face of the earth so i don't i i do not know who owns that catalog or what would have to happen for this for such a collection to manifest itself but interestingly sagnoth was i think created or co-founded by the composer hiroki kikuta exactly who who's worked on yeah who, who uh, who's done the music and i think some of the game direction for a lot of games in this uh in this connected series yeah um although apparently not the battle system in kadoka for some reason uh there's a little I, I didn't dig too far into it but there's a little bit on wikipedia where there was like some kind of conflict or something where he was like he just didn't touch the battle system so someone else did it so i don't know i don't know what happened there if it was just like hey, uh, yeah that's not how i would do it but yeah go ahead just do what you want and, no and idea, before but... yeah before Sacknoth, i i really only knew of kikuta as the composer to secret of mana and trials of mana but so, so there's definitely a pedigree there, but um, Kudelka and Shadow Hearts are like sort of became his career for a while, and I, I, I wish we had we had more of them. Yeah, well, I'm still crossing my fingers for at least a, a you know, PC modern console port. But um, so the music though is very interesting. Like overall, like I think it's considered fairly divisive, uh, despite who composed it and his work on stuff like the Mana games. Um, but this one, I, I was down between a few songs. Uh, there was this, and then there was a song that's literally just titled Dead, uh, which is really pretty and melancholy, but this one was just weird and interesting, so I, I wanted us to be able to talk about it. So I, I don't know exactly what's going on here. Like I don't know how, if there's any real instruments in here, so 
some of it is just some exotic sounding something. It's just not like anything else I've heard in in, in games. Um, this is one of the battle themes, and it, it has some interesting percussion throughout the song, and there's some flute or wind instrument, some synth stuff, and whatever that is, like right at the beginning, like that main motif that keeps coming back. It's just, it's just really interesting melody. Like I, I, I've been listening to it and I keep having it in my head when I'm not listening to it. So um, like if you don't know Kadelka, I'm not sure if this is applicable to Shadow Hearts at all, but like maybe it seems weird. Like maybe it's not, it doesn't have the energy you might expect for a, a battle song. But if you look up the game and see the battles, like the battles are this like, it's just weird. Like the whole game is kind of like dark and creepy. And, you know, you have this grid with it's like really sparse. Well, I was going to say a little background, but there's really no background. You're just like in this void. Um, so it kind of works like this, this weird, creepy, melancholy, like gothic vibe. I think this is the kind of battle song you would want. Um, so in this strange way, I think it works pretty well. It has this sense of determination through it, but it's still atmospheric. And overall, it's just strange and unexpected. So I enjoy it a lot. I, I, I listened to the whole soundtrack multiple times trying to decide which one, but I think this is my favorite one. Um, I, I feel the mana through line here with, uh, with the percussion because it's, it's, it's very persistent and, uh, and sometimes overtakes the melody and harmonies a little bit it, it reminds me kind of it reminds me sort of of the um oh shoot the volcanic island song and trials of mana and, and some of the cave music and trials of mana but it feels less like kikuda trying to like compose a song with a dominant melody and more of him just trying to create a mood because because kudelka is a moody game it it really wants to be a union of rpg and horror and uh so they're trying to even this battle theme, which I think is more energetic than most of the Kadelka soundtrack. I, I'm not as familiar with the Kadelka soundtrack as you were, Hillary, Mike, but I have listened through at least parts of it. This is more energetic than most of it, but it is still sort of moody and a little creepy and a little off that I'm sure that was deliberate. Yeah, I can see it fitting the atmosphere of that game for really well from how I, what I know of it. Because a lot of it is going through sort of like a haunted church, but then when you hit random battles, it does sort of take place in a black void or a purplish void where you navigate squares like a strategy RPG. It's, 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 you know, it's similar to Rhapsody where this is, you don't think of Kadelka as a strategy RPG, maybe, but it definitely has elements of it. Yeah. Elements of it where you navigate a grid and attacks have, um, have specific ranges and, uh, and areas of effect. So it, I, I think this qualifies, um, for sure, but it's, um, you know, I, I think of it as this odd, odd hybrid RPG and not necessarily as a strategy RPG in my head. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, this definitely gave me those like um, battle theme when the time is right for something much more mellow or somber vibes. Mm -hmm. It's always interesting when they when they do that kind of switch on you. I don't know the context of the game, but there are plenty of times where something less energetic is uh, warranted for a fight. Not everything has to be extreme. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, Leaf's Army. Wow, Leaf's Army. A bunch of really cool folks, if I do say so myself. So, the original Leaf's Army seeking victory 
that's the title used for the player phase themes. So base is the first player phase theme that players will hear in the game Fire Emblem Thracia 776. Classic, great game. Everybody play Thracia. If you've heard people say, wow, it's too hard and uh, it's not good, don't listen to them. Maybe maybe listen to them a little it's bit. It's challenging, but no, no, no. <laughs> listen, it's challenging, but listen, it's not nearly as bad as people make it out to be. Now, here's the thing. This theme normally has... Uh, it's normally a lot fast, not a lot faster, but it's a bit faster. Um, it has brass. It sounds like a player phase theme, but like a lot of older game music, I'm always fascinated by arrangements that make it that make the song feel completely different and feel like they fit somewhere else entirely. And when I hear this with just piano and guitar and slowed down, this feels almost like an ending theme to me. Like after all of Leaf's struggles, which, oh, he struggles a lot. This is a, it's a rough time over in the Thracian Peninsula. It just feels like it's, it's done. You know, we've united Thracia. We can sit back. There's a little bit of peace we can relax a bit. We can look over the, you know, the river Thracia or some, I don't know, Thracian plains and just be proud of what we've done. It feels like a, like a, a nice sense of accomplishment. And I feel like, uh, that's so, it's so nice to hear what would otherwise be like a theme of being on the offensive kind of toned down into something really calming and just nice and pleasant. I mean, all of Thracia's music is pleasant, stellar soundtrack, but this sense of calm and conclusion is really, really fun for me after not only having like played it in general, but just knowing that this is supposed to be a player phase theme. Yeah, that's really interesting. I thought it was like almost a home base song at first when I heard it. So it's really neat knowing the context. Yeah, yeah. I literally wrote home base in my notes because I thought that's what it was too. Like this, like it has this like safe space kind of sound. So knowing that it wasn't uh, coming into it not having the context is actually really interesting because I wouldn't have never guessed that was the original version of the song, how it was used. I'm not going to lie. Like, I almost gaslit myself when I heard this. I'm like, this is, this was the, this is the player phase theme, right? This isn't the, this isn't when you're doing preparation, right? I literally almost got gaslit myself because it doesn't sound like a player phase theme anymore and that's so cool to me i'm just glad that we have a such a beautiful piano dominant song on episode 88 88 keys on the piano anyway. gotcha yes oh, beautiful neat. whoa oh my god i'm telling you kaga has this power over us 
I mean, this was all made, meant to be. This, oh no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to reference a Reinhardt dialogue line. I will never speak the Forbidden One's words. So you're saying it's our fire emblem fate. You know what? I hate Reinhardt enough that I would much rather reference Fire Emblem Fates than a line of Reinhardt's dialogue. So we'll go with that. Yes, this was Fire Emblem Fates. Maybe a revelation, if one will. Uh, we conquested all of these music tracks as if it was our birthright. I don't know. <laughs> that's fine. You know, that's all good. I'm just not going to speak any words from the forbidden thunder man's mouth how dare he appear in the most wonderful game of thracia you said thracia so many times it, it sounds like i'm hearing echoes you know oh my god what a good game fire emblem echoes see i was i really wanted to pick a shadows of valentia song because uh that entire soundtrack is a bop one might say it is straight fire. <laughs> One might say, uh, uncle. I don't know what you might say, but the thing is, because it's so, like, defined, right? It's already so instrumentative, or however you would say that word. I feel like you don't see as many arrangements that kind of change the, uh, the feel of the songs. Whereas, like, for older songs, even if they have that kind of hint of, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, meant to be brass, I find it's a little uh, more frequent that people might change up how they feel, uh, how the song feels with their arrangements. Yeah, I mean, this isn't just rec a recreation. This is a genre shift from, from because, because a lot of player phase fire and the mu music is uh is like like a march sort of just just like just like upbeat yeah. we're we're trying to win we're the good guys kind of tone and this really does feel like a serene village or a uh, like a base building song like uh like we referred to earlier so and 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 on its own it just stands out as a beautiful track i, I love the interacting piano and guitar in this track it's it's mm -hmm. i, I want to listen to this whole album now especially if it has uh especially if you know i can get my synapses firing with Fire Emblem music that I that I'm more familiar with, because again I, I've tried to play uh, Thracia Seven Seven Six. I thought it was very challenging. I was interested, but I, there was probably a hundred other games I was thinking about playing, so I, I never really went very far. Uh, th this was in the mid two thousands, probably like fifteen years ago or something. But but I, I I think I love this track. This is great, and um and and the fact that the arrangement does so much is uh is an interesting discussion on its own. What's the what's the rest of the album like, like in terms of arrangements? It's it is a piano and guitar of tracks across the uh, Fire Emblem series. They have a disturbance in Augustria, which is from Genealogy, and it's it's another similar thing where that is like an offense. That's like the the map track, but they turned it into this very mellow like relaxing track and it's it's fascinating it's just really nice to hear these uh like a uh, piano and guitar takes on all these uh different fire emblem songs 
uh, Nikki, if we don't have it already on the website, you should write a music review of this one because I am endlessly fascinated by that description. I really am. Yeah. Fire emblem, piano emblem. Wow. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, because I, I haven't looked this up. Maybe Patrick wrote a review of this in 2011 for all I know. But... Yeah, th th this sounds like a, a bit of a hidden gem that I would that I want to explore further on my own. I I'm literally checking as we talk because I'm also curious. Not that I, we really need to like pressure Nikki into writing a soundtrack review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not no pressure Nikki, but <laughs> but uh, but again, like, and I, I don't mean to disparage Patrick either, but but he has written so many music reviews on the website that I'm no longer surprised that he's that uh, that he's written something so obscure that I I discover it 15 years later. Right. Um, we actually do not have it, um, unless it just wasn't linked properly. But well, we'll see how we'll see what happens because ah, Fire Emblem, interesting. Because this track is dope. It really is. It's yeah. so good. Everyone should play Thracia. Okay, Hes hesitation on that. Everyone should listen to this song. Everyone should do some reading about Thracia. But hmm. There, oh boy, there's like five Fire Emblem games I would recommend before Thracia. It, no, it truly, I would recommend Thracia. Let's go. It truly is brutally difficult and no, interesting. No, it's but, not. But, okay, but, uh, but listen, hard, it's but, fine. Don't accessibility worry. Just is listen, limited. hold up. Do not let Leaf <laughs> escape first and you'll be fine. You know what? I wish... Actually, you know what? If you're not going to play Thracia, play Shadows of Valentia. Yeah, if you're going to have to pick... Okay. Those are your two choices, because not enough people played Shadows of Valentia, and everyone should play that too. Play Shadows of Valentia. <sighs> Alright. Well, I I really don't know how long this episode is going to be by the time we put music in here, but I'm going to call... I'm going to assume that we have a somewhat extra-large episode today. So, thank you, everyone. This has been a fun discussion. I think we all learned some stuff today extra large episode like the maps in genealogy got him we did it yep all right so what is coming next on rhythm encounter so we're doing i really can't believe we haven't done this before but in a couple weeks we're doing our uh best of the super nintendo i don't think everyone has picked their tracks yet but that that is a tricky one uh to pick two songs to represent that console uh, i think is going to be difficult but i don't think there's any chance that we aren't going to have a ton of great music on that episode so you can look forward to that in a couple weeks and after that we are doing because it'll still be summertime we're going to be doing an episode on tropical themes or island themes and that's all for now so please look forward to those in the next uh, two to four weeks if you have any feedback on this um, and or thoughts on the episode you know, let us know what you think. If you have ideas for future episodes, you can email us at music at rpgfan.com. You can reach me personally at mike at rpgfan.com. Um, if people want to contact you, Solosi, what's the best way? Oh, right. Um, the best way to do so is uh, to find me on Twitter. I am at The Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoca for Dogs at other times, and on RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. But if you want to reach out to me about the Retro Encounter podcast, the best thing to do is to email retro at rpgfan.com. And how can people reach you, Audra? Um, I'm Audra B at rpgfan.com. Perfect. And Nikki? 
on the Twitter, I'm at Otome underscore Nikki, O-T-O-M-E, and then N-I-K-I, not two Ks. That's a diary, and I'm Nikki, a human, not a robot. I always uh, succeed at the CAPTCHAs. Good. You're excellent at identifying uh, um, motorcycles and traffic signals. Both of those things, definitely. And crosswalks. Yes. I wouldn't be opposed if you were a robot. In fact, I would not oppose having a robot on staff because I feel like it is one thing we're missing. We're pretty diverse staff, but we do not have any robots. So if any robots are listening and want to join us, you know, let me know. Um, So uh, beyond Rhythm Encounter, we also have two other podcasts at RPG Fan. So if you want to check out our general uh, RPG podcast, that's Random Encounter. That's every other Monday, alternating with our show. And every week on Thursday, we have Retro Encounter. Although I'm going to let Solosi introduce it because that is your show. Sure. Retro Encounter is a weekly podcast on RPGFan.com. And it's about a variety of RPG topics, but mostly every month we dedicate two episodes to a specific game that we're playing and discussing. Uh, And uh, in the episodes that aren't those game journals, that can be any topic from... Oh, what have we done recently? We've done character fantasy drafts. We've done quiz shows. We've done um, episodes about dogs and cats. It's a lot of different topics and over 300 episodes. Yeah. See, so much better than I would have done. Thank you. So if you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate uh, if you could review us or subscribe or whatever you want to do on Apple Podcasts, Google, any of the other million podcast platforms that you can listen to us on. So we would appreciate any of that. And that's our show. So we're going to close out today with a bonus track. So, Solosi, you alluded to the fact that you had a bonus track for us. So what are we closing out the show with? Okay, um, I'm going to give you one last TED Talk because this bonus track has some discussion around it. It's uh, I should mention the, the like uh, almost all of my strategy RPG fandom is rooted in three series. Final Fantasy Tactics, which I brought up earlier, Disgaea, which I, which I brought up earlier, and Fire Emblem, which we're going to talk about even more now that uh, Nikki and I have finished our first or seventh back and forth on Fire Emblem. Um, the song I'm picking is from Fire Emblem Gaiden, which is the second Fire Emblem game back on the NES. It was remade into Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valentia six or seven years ago on the 3DS. Uh, the song is one of the main battle tracks. It's called With Mila's Divine Protection, composed by Fire Emblem Queen Yuka Sujioko, who also worked on the Paper Mario games. She's been with Intelligent Systems for over 30 years. And I'm, I'm sort of combining all three of our inputs here because um, Nikki brought on a Yuka Sujioko track earlier with that lovely Thracia 776 song. And uh, Mike, you might remember that you did an episode on uh, on arrangements from Super Smash Brothers games uh, several months ago. Yeah. So for this for this track, I'm bringing on the Super Smash Brothers Brawl uh, arrangement of with Mila's Divine Protection. It's a I, it's an arrangement I like a lot. And uh, who did that arrangement? It was Noriyuki Iwadare, oh, wow. which uh, who, who also composed the. Uh, uh, Langrisser song that Audra brought on earlier this episode. So we're combining Yuka Sujioko, Super Smash Brothers, Noriyuki Iwadare, and you know when I was on the NES episode several months ago, I, I considered bringing the song along then as well, but I ultimately didn't. So yeah, please enjoy the Super Smash Brothers brawl version of With Mila's Divine Protection. Wow. That, that's a Play mic Shadows drop. of Valentia. Let's go. <laughs> the Shadows of Valentia arrangement of that song, also great. But uh, this this one has more 
has more funky guitar in it. So I, I could not resist the, the, uh, the acoustic guitar. Yeah, that's a great choice. I can't wait to listen. Um, Nikki, that was your perfect choice to give us a good, like, you know, it's all connected because somehow yes, you pulled it is all, of all the connected. Stuff oh my God. It is. I can't believe it. And Smash Brothers Melee was the first Fire Emblem game, remember? In I, North America, yes. Well, wow. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, all, and also, Super Smash Brothers Melee had Roy in it before Roy's game even came out. Roy was an advertisement for Fire Emblem Binding Blade back in 99. That's true. All right. Well, let's go listen to your bonus track. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank all of you for being here. We'll see you next time.
is fire! <laughs> I can't be the only one that remembers that, that commercial. I can't oh, I remember it. it. I'm worried that no okay, one else good. does, so you and I are dating good. ourselves. Okay. <laughs> I, I've never played that board game, but they made it look like the coolest thing in the world in 1993 or whenever, whenever that was around. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was hard to not see that commercial constantly. Those toy commercials really did dominate, um, like the, like the cartoon blocks of television that I uh, that I scheduled my life around. Oh yeah, you had you had the extreme tabletop and board game commercials like that, and every action figure commercial was always kids playing like on some like weird stage covered in dirt. I'm like, they're never at home. They're always like like, well, we recreated the moon, um, and that's where we're playing with our transformers. Um, a lot of super soakers and nerf weapons on those uh, on those commercials as well. I, I I had a number of those over the years, so the marketing worked on me. Yeah, yeah. And I think my parents is like, oh god, he wants to play outside. Thank God. Right. And then you were disappointed that it wasn't on the moon. 